0: All right, welcome back to the Everyday Conversion Podcast. It's been a few days since I've recorded. Like I said, when I started this again, I was making no promises of when I would do this. I didn't want to, I don't want it to feel like a job, and I don't want to feel like I have to do it. Um, so things have been busy, and I just haven't got a recording done. But I'm back today. And I uh, jumped forward a little bit because, well, I was behind. <laughs> and so... I jump forward because I've got to prepare for my lesson, my gospel doctrine lesson this week. So today we are going to talk about First Nephi sixteen. So we're jumping ahead to sixteen, and there's some some interesting things in here that I hadn't noticed before, which is really exciting to me. Like it's always exciting there There's a certain like excitement for me when I find something that I hadn't ever noticed before, uh, because I've read the Book of Mormon many, many times, um, I'm trying to think I think last time I counted it's like you know sixteen to twenty somewhere in there. I can't remember. but I found some new things this time in chapter sixteen, which is super cool to me. so this is right after Nephi gets done explaining all of the things that he saw. And relaying the things that his father taught, and we learn about a lot of uh the the um a lot of the prophecies. Prophecies for him, history for us things, and you know, I'm I'm a little sad that we've skipped over those a little bit, but that's the way it goes. So we we begin sixteen with basically Nephi saying, Well, and that's everything that Um, that I shared with them. Then he says in verse one, my brethren, behold, they said unto me, thou hast declared unto us hard things more than we are able to bear. So Laman and Lemuel are like, wow, things you told us, that's kind of harsh. I don't know if we can handle that. And I've always taken that as them like being honest and saying, wow, you know, we just, this is really hard for us, but now I'm wondering if it was more of a, um, we're not going to allow you to say those things to us. We're not going to allow you to prophesy evil about us. Um, and there's a couple of reasons I think that, and I'll share those with, with you as we go through. But then Nephi says, "I said, I knew that I had spoken hard things against the wicked, according to the truth, and the righteous have I justified." And I want to stop there for a second because that stuck out to me. That's That phrase stuck out to me as I was reading it. And what stuck out to me was the phrase justified. And I was thinking about the times that I've heard that. Where have I heard the idea of justification, of being justified? And I realized that it's in Hebrews chapter 5. Chapter 5 verse... No, not Hebrews. Sorry. Uh, Romans chapter 5. Let's go there. That'll get us what we want a little bit better than Hebrews will, since that's what I need. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 9. So this is this is ov- honestly one of my favorite New Testament chapters, Romans 5. And this is where um, Paul's talking about, you know, we were you know, because of Adam we died, but because of Christ we lived. And he's, he's doing this justification. And, you know, um, while we were sinners, yet God died for the or, or yet God died for the wicked or the unjust or something like that. Um, and just this this idea that you know, regardless of whether we deserve it or not, um, Christ is there and he suffered and performed the atonement for us. Then in verse nine it says, "Much more than being now justified by his blood." we shall be saved from wrath through him. And so we have Paul talking about justification, being justified by the blood of Christ. And then we have Nephi saying that uh, by the things that he had taught, which was the gospel, that it justified the righteous, that he has justified the righteous. And So I was like, well, I'm curious, because this is one of my favorite things to do this time going through the Book of Mormon. I'm like, what what does justify mean in the Webster Dictionary of 1828? You know, the the way that Joseph Smith would have used these words as he was translating the Book of Mormon. And there's two different definitions in the Webster Dictionary. And one of them says in a a a theological sense, or in theology, I think it says, this is what it means, and it says to pardon or clear from guilt. And so I thought that was interesting thinking about that. You know, the things that Nephi had taught um, for the righteous, it cleared them from guilt. It pardoned them from the things that were happening. It, it it helped clear them from it. You know, it was a it was a way for them to be reconciled to Christ by what He had taught, because He was teaching. Um, the gospel of Jesus Christ and and the things as far as the gathering of Israel and those types of things. So I thought that was interesting that um, he used that word. Uh, And and it tied me, like I said, to Romans 5, 9. Now, uh, we get down to uh, verse 6. Nephi says, All these things were said and done as my father dwelt in a tent in the valley which he called Lemuel. So For the last several chapters, it's all taken place where Lehi stopped waiting for his sons to go back and get the plates and then to get wives or or to bring the the family of Ishmael, where he named the valley and the river, uh, where he had the dream. So they've been camped here for quite some time. This has been like a, you know, this is an extended stay hotel. This is a home away from home a little bit. They've been here a while. Then in verse 7, it says, Nephi basically describes that um, marriages took place. It came to pass that I, Nephi, took one of the daughters of Ishmael to wife, and also my brethren took of the daughters of Ishmael to wife, and also Zoram took the eldest daughter of Ishmael to wife. Now, I don't know. It's very possible, I suppose, that this was like a seven brides for seven brothers type situation where they all got married together. Or it could have been that this this took a while. You know, that, that uh, you know, maybe Laman, Laman got married, and then Lemuel got married, and maybe Nephi and Sam got married in, in quick succession. You know, it's hard to tell, um, but it could have taken a while. You know, it just it occurred to me as I was reading this that this doesn't necessarily mean that they were all married on the same day. But he basically says, now we all got married. We were all married. Laman, Lemuel, Nephi, Sam, and Zoram. So Zoram obviously was single. When he left Jerusalem, which kind of makes sense, I guess, if he ditched. He probably wouldn't have ditched his family. And then in verse 8, it says, and thus. So when I read and thus, to me, it says it's related to what happened before. So they all got married. And then, or and thus, and by this or because of this, my father had fulfilled all the commandments of the Lord, which which had been given unto him. And so I thought it was interesting that basically Nephi saying that, and the last thing that had to happen for my father to fulfill the commandments that he had been given was for all of us to get married. I mean, that's why we went back to get Ishmael, right? And his family was so that we could have, we could get married, we could have spouses, we could have children, we could have families, and we could, you know, raise children and families in this new world, in this promised land that we're going to. So um, I thought it was interesting, something I'd never noticed before, that, Um, those two verses were tied together, that, you know, them getting married was the fulfillment of the commandment that Lehi had been given, and it was the final commandment, the last thing that they had to do in order to accomplish the things that God had given him. And then, in verse 9, it says, and it came to pass that the voice of the Lord spake unto my father by night, and commanded him that on the morrow he should take his journey into the wilderness. So, As soon as Lehi finishes, completes the things he's been tasked to do, he's given new things to do. So as soon as everything's been completed, then the Lord says, Okay, Lehi, time to get going, time to pack up, time to head back into the wilderness, to continue your journey. Oh, excuse me. And then it says in verse 10, It came to pass that as my father arose in the morning and went forth to the tent door to his great astonishment, he beheld upon the ground, a round ball of curious workmanship, and it was a fine brass. And within the balls were two spindles, and the one pointed the way whether we should go into the wilderness. So first off, he completes the task that he was given, and then he's given new tasks. And then after he's given new tasks, he's then given the means by which to accomplish those tasks. And so this made me think of, you know, line upon line, precept upon precept, as... as as followers of Jesus Christ, as children of the covenant, we're not given everything at once. We're giving it. We're giving it a little at a time. And as we show that we are going to follow those directions, that those directives, then we're given more. Which is what happened to Lehi. Um, and I was just, I was just curious. I was just thinking about it. And I didn't do this. Not. I didn't do this last night uh, when I was studying, but I'm like, I wonder what curious means. Like how, how was Joseph Smith using the word curious? Um, Let's see here. I'm trying to look at these different definitions it gives me in the Webster's Dictionary. Uh, here's one that I think might be the one that's being used um, one of the definitions is artful nicely diligent each ornament about her seem seems seemly lies by curious chance or careless art composed wrought with care and art elegant neat finished as a curious girdle so I think that um, that is the one that it's it's being used. And then it, it references Exodus 28, 8 and 30, which I'm not going to look up, but curious work. Um, so wrought with care and art, elegant, neat, finished. I imagine that's probably the one that Joseph Smith was using in that translation. So um, not as like, oh, that's interesting or weird, but more of like, it was very elegant. It was very beautiful, which makes sense if the Lord said it there. Okay, so they've given been given new direction, and been given the means by which to you or to get there. And I've always wondered. This is something I've always wondered about. It says that there was two spindles. Nephi tells us there's two spindles. There's two needles within this ball of curious workmanship. And he only tells us which that what one of them does. He says the one pointed the way whether we should go in the wilderness. Now. He does describe in a few chat or verses later that they went by, I believe it was like a south and southwesterly direction. Or a south and a southeaster east direction. South and southeast. So it makes me wonder, was the other spindle simply a compass? Did it simply tell them the direction in which they were going? Now granted, you know, I'm sure that they could use the stars to know which way they're going, so it's not necessarily necessarily what he was using and how he knew the were going in a south or a southeast direction. But it, it would make sense to me that if it's something that is used for direction that... Oh, sorry. Um, that if it was used for direction that the other one could be a compass. I don't know. I've just always been curious. But the one thing that did stick out to me and that occurred to me as I was thinking about that and, and pondering what it could have been was that there was two spindles obviously pointing perhaps probably in different directions and that in our life there's a lot of different things that want to give us direction that want to um, tell us what to do whether that's society or tv or uh you know influencers or um, our parents or other family members or friends but there's a lot of things that give us direction but the only one that we should give give heed to the one that we should pay attention to is the one of the Lord giving us direction. The direction of the Lord in our lives. That is the one that we need to pay attention to. And um, like Nephi, that's the only one he paid attention to. That's the only one he felt was necessary to tell us about, was the one that pointed the way that they should go. All right. So let's jump forward to verse 18. This is when they go forth to slay food, and Nephi broke his bow, which was made of steel, it says. And I think it's interesting. It says, Behold, my brethren were angry of me because of the loss of my bow, for we did obtain no food. And I'm reading this, and I'm thinking, wait. Like, there's probably several of them on this hunting party, right? Like, Nephi, Sam, Laman, Lemuel, maybe Zoram. Um, the the sons of Ishmael. So let's say, you know, two more maybe. I don't know. So that's like six people behind, besides Nephi. Nephi breaks his bow and all of a sudden everybody's mad at him and they can't get food. And I'm like, wait a second. What about the rest of you? Like y'all have bows and arrows and slings and stones. Why Why is it that because Nephi couldn't get food or Nephi broke his bow that all the rest of you couldn't get food and it's all of a sudden Nephi's fault? Now we do read later on. That their other the other bows had lost their spring. Did that happen at the same time? I don't know, maybe. Maybe not. But either way, why is it all Nephi's fault? All of you guys have bows and arrows. It's not just his fault. But then it occurred to me that a a trademark characteristic of those who are heeding Satan and not heeding God is to not take responsibility and to blame others for the things that go wrong the things that are bad, the things that are challenges in our lives. And I think about the fact that in my life, in the times that I am not being Christ-like, when I'm not following and trying and striving to be like the Savior, are the times that I want to blame somebody else. I don't want to take responsibility for myself. You know, one of the hallmarks of being a disciple of Jesus Christ is, is being responsible, of taking responsibility for yourself. So here we have Laman and Lemuel and, and the others not taking responsibility for themselves. Um, so they don't have food and, you know, I, I don't know if, if any of you, you know, we, we, we talk about the phrase hangry, you know, being, being, you know, in a bad mood because you're hungry and this is certainly what happens here. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about the fact that, you know, times when my family's on a trip and everybody's getting hungry and tired and we're getting ready, you know, we're like driving somewhere and we're, we're like, okay, we're going we're gonna to stop to get some eat. We're not quite there yet. Like when my kids and my wife and myself, when we're all getting hungry, and we're getting tired like we get really really grumpy and we have short fuses and we get frustrated with one another and i think that's where we're at here like they're traveling they're in the wilderness it's it's perhaps hot and there's no food and so everybody's getting a little on edge everybody's getting a little grumpy because of this and it says um, Laman and Lemuel and the sons of Ishmael began to murmur exceedingly because of their sufferings. And also my father began to murmur against the Lord his God. And they were all exceedingly sorrowful even that they didn't murmur against the Lord. So everybody's complaining. Everybody's frustrated. And again, I think this can be chalked up a little bit too. We're hungry, we're tired. But yet they're still complaining against the Lord. They're complaining and including Lehi, and so Nephi decides to be proactive. He's following the Lord, so he's being responsible. He's taking responsibility for the for the, the situation and saying, you know, what can I do to make this happen? Um, Nephi tried to talk to them, tried to encourage them. They didn't listen. <clears throat> and they were still complaining. Verse 23, it says, the Nephi made out of wood, a bow, and out of a straight stick, an arrow. So he's like, all right, well, I'm going to do something. I'm going to make a new bow. It's not going to be as good as my steel one, but we'll, we'll make do. <clears throat> and he got together some slings, with some, a sling with some stones. And it says, and I said unto my father, whither shall I go to obtain food? And as I read that, I'm like, well, this is, this is Nephi leading from behind, leading from the back. You know, we always talk about leadership from the front, Um, being out there, being a leader. But this is Nephi leading from the back. This is him being a leader, but doing it in a way that he is following. And this is something that I've learned to do at work um, where you can ask the right questions to help to lead somebody and to help them to take leadership, to step into their role that they're supposed to be in. You can ask the right questions. And this is what Nephi does here. He knows his father's murmuring, but he's like, you know what? Dad's the patriarch of the family. He's our prophet. I'm going to go to him and I'm going to say, Dad, where should I go to get food? So he, he asks his dad. And it says that Lehi inquired of the Lord, for they had humbled themselves because of my words, for I did say many things unto them in the energy of my soul. So Lehi has humbled himself, humbled himself and he goes and he prays to the Lord. It says, It came to pass that the voice of the Lord came unto my father, and he was truly chastened because of the mur- of his murmuring against the Lord. In so much that he was brought down into the depths of sorrow. So he had humbled himself, but he hadn't completed his repentance yet. And so he's chastened by the Lord. And says, it came to pass, the voice of the Lord said unto him, Look upon the ball and behold the things which are written. It came to pass that when my father beheld the things which were written on the ball, he did fear and tremble exceedingly, and also my brethren, and the sons of Lishmael and their wives. And so I'm like, well, what did it say on that ball that caused him to tremble, and to fear, caused his, brother caused his sons Laman and Lemuel and the sons of Ishmael to fear, but didn't cause Nephi to fear because later on in the next couple of verses Nephi explains what they were and it says it was it was writing that was on the on the ball that helped them it gave them understanding about the ways of the Lord, so Nephi is not scared of it. And so I started thinking about it. Well, and the other thing, and then I, uh, we'll, we'll jump back to that. But the way I've always, the way I've always taught this to my kids, the way I've always understood this was: Nephi went and asked his dad where to hunt, and he was given direction where to hunt. His dad told him where to go in order to obtain food. But if you read this a little bit closer, and this is the thing that I learned that I never ever noticed before. If you read a little bit closer, that's not what happened. So Nephi asks him where he should go to get food, and then Lehi prays. Lehi is told to go look at the ball, and he gets really scared, fear and trembling, it says. And then Nephi explains what's on the ball. It says that there was a, uh, there was writing, it changed from time to time according to their faith and diligence. Um, it was plain to read. It was easy to understand. It gave us an understanding concerning the ways of the Lord. And then it says, And thus we see that by small things the Lord can bring about great things. And then in verse 30 it says, And it came to pass that I, Nephi, to go forth up into the top of the mountain according to the directions which were given upon the ball. So it was not Lehi that told him where to go. It was the directions on the Leahona. And what occurred to me was, was part of was the reason that Lehi was fearing and trembling because in this chastening, did he lose his gift for a time? You know, Allah Joseph Smith when he lost the 116 pages of manuscript because he gave him to Martin Harris. Was this a similar chastening where not only was he chastened, not only did the Lord kind of dress him down and, and uh, you know, ream him a little bit, but he also said, look, because of because of your lack of faith, because of your murmuring, because of your whining, you don't get to be the leader for a little bit. You don't get to receive revelation. You have lost your gift. And it made me go back to Doctrine and Covenants 3, where Joseph Smith is chastened. And I, I read through some of this. So section 3, verses 5 through, I think, 15 or 16. I'm going to read, just go through and kind of read portions of this. Because, um... I really think this may have been a similar experience to what Lehi experienced at this time. And I think it's it's instructive for us to realize that, um, you know, Lehi murmured. He prayed, asked the Lord, humbled himself. He was brought down with sorrow, but it doesn't say that the Lord forgave him yet. It doesn't say that his repentance was completed. It just says that he was humbled and sorrowful. And then that he feared and trembled. So I kept asking myself, what is it that makes him fear and tremble? And I think maybe it have, it may have been that the Lord said something to him, along the lines of what He said to Joseph Smith. So let me read some of this to you. This is this was an interesting connection because I, I was asking myself, you know, what what is it? What's it like? What's it like to be chastened? I feel like I deserve to be chastened from the Lord a lot,
1: and yet yeah, I, I don't
0: feel like I have been, at least not in a way that. You know Joseph Smith or Lehi was that they identified it and said, "Wow, you know the Lord is the Lord's really going after me here. He's really, uh, really scolding me, reprimanding me." And so I want to read to you some of section three, and and think of this as if it's being spoken to Lehi after his not being faithful after his after his uh, murmuring against the Lord in the wilderness because they couldn't get food. Behold, this is verse 5 in section 3, Behold, you have been entrusted with these things, but how strict were your commandments. And remember also the promises which were made unto you if you did not transgress them. And behold, how oft you have transgressed the commandments and the laws of of God and have gone on in the persuasions of men. For behold, you should not have feared men more than God, although... Men set it not the counsels of God and despise his words. Yet you should have been faithful. And he would have extended his arm and supported you against all the fiery darts of the adversary. And he would have been with you in every time of trouble. Behold, thou art Joseph. Or we could say, behold, thou art Lehi. And thou wast chosen to do the work of the Lord. But because of transgression, if thou art are not aware, thou wilt fall. But remember, God is merciful. Therefore, repent of that which thou hast done, which is contrary to the commandment which I gave to you. And thou art still chosen and art again called to the work. Except thou do this, thou shalt be delivered up and become as other men and have no more gift. And when thou deliverest up that which God had, had given thee sight and power to translate, thou deliverest up that which was sacred into the hands of a wicked man, who has set it not the counsels of God, and has broken the most sacred promises which were made before God, and has depended upon his own judgment, and boasted in his own wisdom. And this is the reason that thou hast lost thy privileges for a season, for thou hast suffered the counsel of thy director to be trampled upon from the beginning. So, think about that in the context of Lehi. You know, this this was Joseph Smith, and Joseph Smith being reamed because he... Gave Martin Harris the manuscript, but think about it as Lehi and Lehi hearkening and listening to Laman and Lemuel, the sons of Ishmael, and they're complaining, and then being led to complain himself because of it. And I'm I'm putting myself in Lehi's shoes, and I'm thinking if I had heard something similar to this, if words similar to these were on Liahona, I would fear and tremble. You know these these are these are tough things you know that you know be having the lord say you were entrusted with things the you you know this the commandments were strict um you were made promises if you didn't transgression but how often have you transgressed the commandments how often have you messed up and done the things that other people wanted you to do you feared god or man more than god um you know, you should have been faithful. I can tell you, if I heard the Lord tell me you should have been faithful and you weren't, that would, that would make me tremble. That would make me fear. Um, you know, if, if, if I had been told, if I was Lehi and I was told, you were chosen for this work, you were chosen to lead your family to the promised land. But because of transgression, if you're not careful, you're going to fall. You're going to fail. That would make me tremble in fear. I've brought my family out in the wilderness I've walked away from everything I've had in my entire life. And now the Lord's telling me, you're going you're to mess it up. You're going to fail if you keep doing this. But I love in the middle of this that there is this promise. God is merciful. Repent. If you repent, you will be chosen again. You will have this opportunity again. And then he says, but if you don't, you will become as other men and you will have no gift. You'll be on your own. You won't have my help if you don't repent. And then he says, and here's the punishment, this is the reason that thou hast lost thy privileges for a season. And so I wonder, along those lines, if this is why Nephi is given direction from the ball instead of from Lehi. If he's told where to go hunt, from the Leahona instead of Lehi. If Lehi is told, look for a season, you're on your own. I want you to experience what that's like. You know, go to your room. <laughs> Think about what you've done and when you when you've changed your attitude, come back out and let's have a conversation. You know, I've said that to my kids. <laughs> I say it's the youngest of my kids more often than any of the other ones. Go to your room when you're done crying, when you've decided you're done And you want to have a better attitude? You can come out and we'll talk about it. And that's kind of what the Lord does with Lehi that here I think. I don't know that for a fact. But like I said, I had never noticed that before. That it was not. It was not Lehi that gave Nephi the direction of where to go. To go hunting. Isn't that interesting? Crazy. So that's my big thing for today. That's the thing that I learned. The thing that I wanted to share with you. I thought that was really cool, tying it, connecting it to, um, you know, what Joseph Smith was told. As far as I can tell, that's our that's the most clear and um, obvious uh, example of somebody being reprimanded, of being chastened by the Lord, and what that might sound like. And it it's 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 stern, but also at the same time, it's very loving. It's very encouraging. It's very matter of fact. This is what happened. This is why it happened. This is what you're in danger of, but also remember the Lord is merciful. If you'll repent, he'll be okay. I think that's important for all of us to remember. That even in times when we feel like we've really screwed up, if Joseph Smith could be told after losing the manuscript that God's merciful and he'll forgive you if you repent. If Lehi can be forgiven after he screws up and murmurs and complains against the Lord in the wilderness, that God loves you. He's merciful. He'll forgive you. And so can we. And what a blessing that is. So, with that, I'll leave you. And uh, hopefully, maybe we'll get some more this weekend to share a little bit more with you. Um, All of you are welcome to come to my Gospel Doctrine class if you want to come hear more of this as well. (laughs) I know that's more feasible for some of you than others, but. you know, maybe on Monday, I'll, I'll recap some of the things that we shared there and some of the things that people shared with me in the class, because I learned just as much as, as I teach in those classes as well. So hope you have a great day, and we will see you in the next episode.